0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale
1: University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for the second of two podcast is Dr. Ellen Wartella, Althani Professor of Communication, Professor of Psychology, Professor of Human Development and Social Policy, and Director of the Center on Media and Human Development at Northwestern University. Uh, Ellen has done a great deal of work uh, on both policy levels and scholarly levels on food marketing and other forms of marketing directed at children, and she's an expert on communications. Among um, the important roles that she has, she served as trustee of the Sesame Workshop and serves on the Public Broadcasting System Advisory Board on children and television. She also chaired a committee of the Institute of Medicine, called the Committee on Examination of Front-of-Package Nutrition Rating Systems and Symbols. And about a year ago, the committee released its report. Uh, this was really the first report of its kind, and I think highly important because of the, the nature of the topic it covered. And it'll be really nice to hear your thoughts on that. So welcome, Ellen. Delighted to have you here.
0: Thank you, Kelly. It's nice to be here.
1: So why convene a committee, an expert committee of people from around the country on this issue of front-of-package rating systems? And what are they, by the way?
0: Sure. Um, well, it was a congressionally mandated committee, and it came after observation that over the last, oh, five to ten years, there's been a proliferation of information on the front of packages. Pick up your cereal box, and you'll see information about the kinds of vitamins are that are in it, whether it's heart-healthy or not, uh, whether it has whole grains, whether it's good for you for this or good for you for that. And there was a, a widespread... Um, assumption that this proliferation of information on the front of packaged foods was confusing to the American public, and they couldn't discern whether um, some statements were more important than other statements. So Congress asked for a committee of experts to be convened to first establish uh, what kinds of information is available on the front of packages, um, what should be the nutritional information that is available that could guide better uh, choices on the part of consumers. And then secondly, to look at the marketing research to see how most effectively to convey this information. The goal being to provide American consumers with the best information possible to help them make consumer choices based on the healthiest foods for their family.
1: Before we get into the specifics, who is is there regulation of this sort of thing? Like there, if, if a company wants to make vitamin claims on the front of the package, or you know, to, to create its own set of symbols to show you how healthy it is, does anybody oversee that?
0: There is a government regulation of health claims that has to be approved by the FDA for most foods, the USDA if the foods have meat in them. Um, there is oversight of what's called the Nutrition Facts Panel, which is on the all packages that began in the early 1990s, uh, which identifies what are the nutrients that are in the product and how many calories per serving it has. Um, and there are certain regulations of certain kinds of of symbols for instance to get the heart check in front that says it's heart healthy it has to be approved by the american heart association but no In fact, what happened was that a number of companies were developing their own symbol system. So there was the uh, sensible solution system that Kraft came up with, as an example. Um, One uh, grocery store chain in the Northeast uh, developed the guiding star system, which was stars that are available on packaged foods and on store shelves. And it was that proliferation of lots of information, differing symbol systems, and no oversight of all of that that led to the request for a committee to investigate it.
1: So you said one of the reasons that the committee was convened in the first place is that the proliferation of symbols could be confusing to consumers. Was there also concern that that any of these symbol these symbol systems or the information being put on packages was misleading consumers?
0: Um in the sense that if you tell someone that that um you need to have a particular nutrient in your diet, and that's not true. That is definitely misleading. Off the top of my head, I can't remember specific instances of that, okay. but there. It was mostly a concern about uh, there being information that was um, difficult to us to discern, to know whether it's important to know this information or not. And since there was no um, regulatory body overseeing across products and across brands within a product group, it it was clear that it was confusing for consumers to make decisions.
1: And one task of the committee was to pull together all the existing information on what what's out there and what practices are being used, but also whatever research there is. Is there much research on it?
0: Um, a lot of the research has actually been done in Europe. There's been research that's been done in England and most recently in the Netherlands, which has adopted a, a countrywide symbol system. And so we're getting more data um, about it. At the time that we were doing our work, there was some research that was done in on England on the um, what's called the traffic light system, which England adopted and then refused to adopt. And frankly, Kelly, your group at Rudd was doing some research on different symbol systems and how, particularly the traffic light, as I recall, and how it influenced um, consumers. So there was some, some preliminary evidence, uh, and then it, it grew as we began our research, uh, that such symbol systems can be useful to consumers in helping them identify products that are healthier for you. Whether or not they were determinate in actually making the product choice is another question. And so one of the things we need to think about is the ways in which symbol systems might, particularly if you adopt a common one, might influence the food that people eat. And our committee came to the conclusion is one potential influence is on the actual choices consumers make, so we provide them good information. But another possibility is that companies competing for shelf space and for consumer attention will begin to reformulate their products so that they get a good score, let's say, on the front of pack. New research coming out of the Netherlands just in the last year suggests that's what's going on there, for instance, that once they adopted a common symbol system, those companies wanted to get better scores. And so there's been a lot of, of uh, reformulation of foods. And we, we, as a committee, felt that might happen as well. Thirdly, um, it it provides an opportunity for retailers to promote should they want to, and some food chains, food companies definitely want to do that, grocery school, grocery chains do, to promote the healthier for your foods uh, in the way that they uh, present them within the within the store. So those are three potential outcomes of having a common symbol system that tells you what the nutrient value is of a food product.
1: Well, I'd like to talk about that a little more. So there's several categories of these front-of-package things. Uh, one would be claims or, or even just information about specific nutrients, like this has high, high calcium or high fiber or whatever it happens to be. But then you're talking also about these simple systems, like mm-hmm. the kind of thing you'd see in the top right-hand corner of a cereal Correct. box that are you know boxes or ovals or something right. like that, that that contain either factual information about how much is in things or evaluative information that would say, this is high or low, or this is a good food because it has this or that. Um, and you're making an argument that it would, I think, that it would be beneficial to have a single system that everybody recognized Correct. And, a, and a common set of values that, that were the basis of it.
0: Yeah. Um, in the first part of the of the committee's meeting, we, it was primarily nutrition scientists who concluded after sifting through all the data and evidence that the most important kind of information for a consumer, particularly where obesity is of concern but where coronary heart disease, other health issues, is to know how many calories per serving the product has. Has, and and to know something about whether it has appropriate levels of salt, of sugars, and of fats. And that other information, that whole grains helps you with your heart, that other information is not as important as those four pieces of information. So the, the committee concluded that that's the kind of information that should be presented on the package. When we went into our second half of the committee in the second year when we brought the marketing scientists on board, the argument from the research, from a whole variety of research about nutritional information, about health information, particularly with populations that are low literacy, low health information uh, populations, is that the most useful approach to guide consumers, who, by the way, make a choice in three seconds when they face a grocery store shelf of what they're going to buy, was to be an indicator as opposed to a lot of information. So what we came up with, what we concluded is calories per serving should be on the front of the information, plus a check or a star or some kind of symbol that indicates that um, the product is has appropriate levels of salt, sugar, or fat, so up to three checks. Then the consumer who wants to know more could turn the package over and find out where the checks are, what whether it was good on sugar, salt, or fats. And all that a consumer then needs to know is the calories per serving, and to know that three checks are better than two, two checks are better than one, and no checks on a product is not particularly a good product. The thinking here was, like the the energy star symbol. Most of us don't know really what the facts are behind it, but we know that if we buy an electrical product with an energy star, that it's a good product for us. And that that kind of indicator system that's ordinal and easily understood was probably the best kind of um, symbol system that we could have on the front of packages.
1: So you said there's not much data on whether these things are actually changing purchasing behavior.
0: Um, the well, we don't have a lot of data from the states yet. For instance, right. um, the data from the Netherlands that's coming out suggests that they it, that okay. it's having a greater impact on reformulation than on on choices. Okay. Well, um, and then
1: that's of course very important for public health.
0: It is very important for public health, and and our view is that if you actually do get product reformulation, then everyone's going to uh, be well served by that, not just those who are paying attention to the front of symbol systems.
1: So in the U.S., now that your report has been out for a year, um, have you seen reactions to it, any changes in the horizon that you see?
0: Well, first of all, the report went to the USDA and the FDA, USDA for meat products and FDA for all the other grocery products, Uh, we did request that they do some consumer behavior research to decide what the symbol system should be. Um, To the best of my knowledge, not too much has moved on this. I expect nothing will move until after the presidential campaign. Um, And my hope is that something will happen as a result of this. Um, It's unclear how quickly that will happen. In the meantime, um, the Grocery Manufacturers Association has developed its own, what they call, Facts Upfront FUP system, that was um, announced uh, about a month before our IOM report committee's report came out. So it was in September of 2011, and their system differed from ours in that they provide all the information. They provide calories, the amount of sugar, the amount of of salt, the amount of uh, fats, and some nutrient information, whether it has certain kinds of vitamins or not. Um, that system has been very slow to be adopted by the industry. It's not on a whole lot of packaged foods. So we're really pretty much at a standstill uh, where we were in, at the beginning of 2010 when the Front of Package Committee first met. There hasn't been a lot of movement or change in the systems available in the United States.
1: Um, Some people have pointed out the curious timing of the industry launching its own system right before the IOM authoritative report would come out. What do you make of that?
0: Yes, it was curious, wasn't it? Um, And intentional uh, to show that they were on board with a system that was more to their um, liking, I think, than our system. Um, The system that Facts Up Front uses, you can choose which nutrients you highlight. So again, you could have a system that um, you choose nutrients that are beneficial for your brand.
1: Um, so you could gratuitously throw something into a product that exactly. didn't have it before, so and, you could and, boast about it. And that. concerns
0: about over-fortification as a consequence of that, you know, putting um, vitamin forti-
1: fortification in products that we that we really don't need. Uh, do you have any idea why that's been slow to be adopted?
0: Uh, you know, I um, I was recently at a conference where a member of the industry talked about facts up front, and I asked that question, and I did not get a response.
1: Well, where do you think this will go?
0: Um, uh, my hope is, since this was congressionally mandated, that there will be um, some kind of Movement as part of the overall concern about obesity issues, not just this issue, but what's happening with the uh, supplemental nutrition program and. W- and other things, that this will come up again after the election. And I'll be surprised if in the context of looking at all the levers we can push to try to attack the obesity crisis if food marketing practices are not scrutinized, both what the nutritional values are of um, the kind of nutritional products that we market to children, but also the kinds of information we provide consumers to make quick and easy choices. So I actually fully Mm expect that this this will come up again, and there'll be another round of hearings or discussions, and perhaps that will nudge the government into adopting this process.
1: You, you, you answered this to a small extent in your last response, but in the other podcast that recorded, we recorded on food marketing directed at children, you noted this dance that occurs between the threat of government regulation and industry coming around and doing things. And I wonder whether it's possible that the reason the industry hasn't moved very fast on this, on developing a uniform, meaningful system on front-of-package labeling, is that they haven't yet perceived a threat of government regulation.
0: I think that's probably the case. I also think that it's the case that the relationship between um, the government regulators and the food industry around these issues is a close sort of relationship. And that things go back and forth. The FDA releases proposed rulemakings. They hear back from the industry. They tweak it because they want the industry to accept it. And um, to the extent that the FDA and the USDA has not uh, submitted any information that they are considering of adopting a particular system, the industry doesn't have to respond so once that happens and i would hope that would happen in further discussions about trying to provide more information to the public to help them make better food choices once the once the fda announces that it's going to consider rulemaking then you begin to see a response and that you're, that hasn't happened yet
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much for your input on in this. You the work that you've done in these areas is so important in tackling very important and and major social issues. So thank you for joining us.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Kelly.
1: Our guest was Professor Ellen Mortella of Northwestern University, a leading expert on communications and the impact of marketing on children. Please visit our website www.yalerudcenter.org. There you'll find a list of other podcasts that we've recorded with outstanding guests who have come to the Rudd Center. And also a list of resources on food and food policy issues, including an email newsletter that goes out, of course, at no cost with breaking issues in the food policy arena. Thank you.